0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another Adventures in Angular. This week, I'm your host, Charles Maxwood, and we are talking to Marco Zuccaroli. I almost said something else. Do you want to introduce yourself real quick? Let people know who you are and why you're famous and all that stuff.
1: (laughs) Hi. I'm really not famous. Uh, (laughs) My name is Marco. I'm a JavaScript developer. Did you
0: work your tail off to get that senior developer gig just to realize that senior dev doesn't actually mean dream job? I've been there too. My first senior developer job was at a place where all of our triumphs were the bosses and all the failures were ours. The second one was a great place to continue to learn and grow, only for it to go under due to poor management. And now I get job offers from great places to work all the time. Not only that, but the last job interview I actually sat in was a discussion about how much my podcast had helped the people interviewing me. If you're looking for a way to get into your dream job, then join our Dev Heroes accelerator. Not only will we help you get the kind of exposure that makes you attractive to your dream employer, but you'll be able to ask them for top dollar as well. Check it out at devheroesaccelerator.com.
1: I'm uh, and I'm working uh, from actually working from Remago LTD is a um, English uh, company, okay? And uh, we are working in a um, smart working and um, sharing application, okay? Um, whiteboard um, chats oh. and something like that okay in the past i was working as a consultant and uh, in my two years ago job and during this work as a consultant uh, i starting my travel my trip as a in serverless okay i was a, a javascript developer mainly front end uh, at the time and i started uh, uh, and they started learning serverless and uh, and devops because uh, our devops guy was missing okay <laughs> but, uh, the really first step was that because uh, our devops guy is uh, was uh, submerged by job I really need I was working uh, in a huge uh, project and uh, we needed to let the clients. Uh, See the actual advancement of, of the state uh, of the work. Okay, uh, and, but and this uh, is
0: this is we're we're talking about your article about deploying Angular and stuff to AWS. Oh,
1: okay, and that, sorry, and yeah, that's
0: yeah. yeah, but that's you're kind of giving us some context here, right? As to where yeah, this, came this from. is
1: context because I I needed to deploy an Angular application on Serverless. Oh, I really needed mm-hmm. uh, to deploy an Angular application on something. I got nothing okay right. because I, I got nothing <laughs> i was a, a lonely uh, front end developer so i started the first one <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, the dev guys is me, was missing was uh, uh-huh. submerged by other job so I've i started uh, yeah so i started uh, searching for something uh, to let me deploy the application in a fast way um, the context of the application was huge so the final architecture well, I know that the final architecture will, will require a lot of work because um, client requirement or something like that. But I needed something faster to, to show the marketing guys where the front end uh, was going, where the point uh, of the development and something. So I start, start uh, studying serverless. I started studying uh, expert servers are uh, the, the other branch of this project that I But the serverless framework was the best fit for me in the early stages of this project, because uh, my boss really liked AWS uh, Stack, and uh, Mm -hmm. our DevOps guy was already certificating themselves on AWS. Mm -hmm. And this was, for me, the first step uh, to get the certification. I started studying uh, a year later. Uh, six months later, I get my AWS uh, certification. Oh, cool. But uh, at the time, yeah, yeah, I get the certification. But at the time I wrote this article, I really know nothing about that. It was a quick and dirty uh, solution.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that's and the nice thing about serverless, to be honest.
1: Yeah. But a year later, when I studied, when I got my certification, I discovered that the quick and dirty sol- uh, solution was good, was uh, fine enough uh, to be the the final solution. The, the fi- uh, Because... Uh, Serverless is so versatile, is so resilient. So we really didn't, that architecture is a good fit for production uh, project, not, not right. only for development project, because I starting that for the plug. Quick deploy um, mm-hmm. the develop, uh, development, the so, development project, and
0: yeah, I have to have I do have a couple of questions here. So you're using yeah. Lambda functions, yeah. correct?
1: Yeah, I don't think that I'm using Lambda in this in this specific article. I think is uh, it's only an access to to a remote um, resource because okay. because uh, AWS uh, doesn't need uh, I think uh, doesn't need Lambda com- computation to to serve a single page application,
0: right? Yeah, you've uh, got indeed. like AWS, Amplify. You've got a bunch of different services. That
1: yeah, there are a lot of yeah. uh, services. That I think in uh, to the the fastest way to deploy an Angular application or in general a single page application. I I, I, will, I will talk about Angular application, but uh, an, an Angular application is a single page application, so is a right. <laughs> is a static asset. In uh, when you start thinking. In, AWS resources, a single page application is a static asset. So you really need to, the only thing you need, I'm watching the, the playbook, the, the serverless uh, settings um, is an S3 bucket to mm-hmm. actually host the static resources and uh, the cloud front cache to distribute and serve them. These are the mine, the two mine resources. Okay. Okay. So then it was a really nice uh, first step. And uh, I think uh, it's a good first step for someone to start uh, the AWS, uh, the, the serverless world, because serverless is a framework that work in AWS, but it works also in uh, Azure with Google uh, APIs. So, okay. AWS maybe is best fit because as uh, a wider number of services but uh, the serverless world is not only AWS right. i start studying aws because uh, the company where uh, where i'm working from use uh, use aws okay
0: yeah well that makes sense and it, the how do i put it the aws services they all have a certain level of synergy mm. to them and so yeah it makes a lot of sense you know you just yeah. you kind of pile on what else, whatever else you need what so with this endpoint that you set up did it Choose the backend database for you, or was that a decision you had to make? Or
1: it was a big project, so it was a, literally my concern only for front end. We have a huge, okay. a, a huge symphony backend based on PHP, okay. de- de- deployed in um, with other stuff. Okay, it was literally separated uh, okay. when in the final version of that architecture, I needed to use uh, an Express server. And uh, I wrote an article, a huge article, on seven, um, split in seven parts, uh, on how to deploy an Angular application on Express server. Right. Uh, so how to build an Express server optimized mm-hmm. for an Angular application, and it is actually the same application that I deployed uh, with the AWS. At that time I use AWS for dev purposes, okay, for quick mm-hmm. uh, releasing the project. Then I switch. To Express because uh, we needed a more complex architecture, but years years later, with another client, with another with other requirements, I deployed final application, production application with Serverless without using Express. So it really depends on how your architecture is built. That kind of architecture was based on PHP Symfony and. Is not really fit with the Lambda function on something like that. So we needed more classical architecture. So the production version was an uh, express server. I got you on AWS, but it was an express server on, uh, I think, uh, EC2 instance or okay. something like that. Yeah, makes um, sense yeah but i think th- the thing i was telling early is uh, is this is the a good starting point uh, for a developer uh, a develop experience a develop uh, travel okay uh, because it's easy because it's self-contained and the really cool thing is that I think that an Angular developer, a front-end developer, but Angular is very good for that, became good DevOps guy. It's easy for um, a front-end developer. A lot of uh, people right. think that uh, DevOps guys uh, are all the sysadmin guys that uh, study <laughs> new platforms. And I think this is a huge mistake because it's not real DevOps philosophy. Is, uh, okay, 10 years ago, you were using a physical machine. Five years ago, you're using virtual machine. Now you're using serverless machines, serverless instances, but with the same mindset. Okay. You have your sales admin, you are your DevOps guy. This is not DevOps. DevOps is uh, I'm the front end developer. I need to show my client. And, and it was the, the real problem I solved. I'm, the, I'm an Angular developer. I needed to show my client the actual graphical aspect of my work. Uh, and, and I need a quick instrument to to deploy uh, to serve my application without coordinate myself without uh, needing a sysadmin that uh, have other concerns uh, in his job. Also, Angular is very good for your mindset because if you think about an Angular application. There are services, there are modules, there are uh, views. It's basically a serverless architecture. There are separated services, there are se- separated message dispatcher. Um, there are the same principles uh, you are apply applying to a good Angular application, to a good front-end application, are the principles that drive a good serverless application, a good microservices uh, system architecture. So you will a front-end developer, I think, uh, understand very easily the decoupling of services because Angular... Angular is based on the coupling is based on separating views from services mm-hmm. the uh, data's observable data from uh, from views and yeah. the, if you think your observable data's your um, as uh, the the messages uh, that uh, rabbit queues or something like that dispatched to your uh, microservices it's very easy for a pure front-end developer to switch totally, switch to to become a dev, to start a dev uh, work, start develop learning uh. instead. Uh, um, okay,
0: I mean I can kind of see that to a certain degree especially if you're using something like serverless but you're still mostly into how to architect those solutions a lot of times the devops stuff comes into orchestrating between the different services yeah sharing back-end databases i know know, know. balancing stuff like that there's a lot there's a lot more that goes into it but yeah the basic idea of getting your application out yeah you're absolutely right i mean a lot yeah, of this, this stuff is, is not going to be so weird to you that you can't look mm-hmm. at it and go, oh, I get this.
1: This is a good first step, I think. Then you need to study, you need to learn something for AWS certification or Something like that, because there, there is a huge world be- mm-hmm. in serverless, in microservice, and uh, there is a lot of things to learn, but it's a, a really good starting point. Instead of a lot, lot of people start uh, approaching the serverless world, uh, the microservices world on AWS uh, on um, thinking about the uh, databases, uh, thinking in a classical way. So they start with AC2 instances uh, instead of uh, containers. Uh, they, they mimic their classic uh, uh, architecture on the AWS structure. It's possible. Is a lot of people do that. AWS will give you. Big deals about that because yeah. AWS, because you can use AWS in a very better way and uh, in, yeah. with no, better to- approaches. I totally agree. Yeah. It's
0: interesting too, because I actually did this to a certain degree. I had an application I was working on and I had Dockerized it, right? So I had moved all the stuff in into Docker and then yeah. I was looking at, okay, I have these three or four services. They're all in the Docker compose.yaml. I need to set it all up. And so I went in and AWS said, oh, you've got this Docker. Docker setup all done. I know mm-hmm. how to run that, and so I set it up and run it. And I got a four hundred dollar bill the next month. <laughs> and what's funny is, is I kind of pulled things together. And I, I mean, I, I I'll admit I had some. Sp- uh, they had sponsored it, but DigitalOcean has mm-hmm. their app service, right? Which is kind of like Heroku or you know some of those. If you're interested, if you're familiar with them, and so I just pushed to Git, and then it pulls from GitHub and deploys for me. Yeah. And yeah, their bill was like. 30 bucks a month, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the architecture was more or less the same. I just said, hey, you know, this is this kind of app. It's got this kind of dependency and it just set it all up. And it was just funny to me that, yeah, what you're saying is absolutely true, right? And the nice thing about serverless is that it you can tell it to keep your app warm if you want, right? So that it has mm-hmm. the app cached and it's yeah ready yeah. to just respond quickly. But otherwise, what it does is it just spins it up when it gets called when it's needed, yeah. And it's nice because you only get billed when it turns on, right? Yeah. And then the billing meter turns off when you turn it back off. I think sometimes yeah. you have to pay a little bit to on S3 to store <laughs> the code or something like that, but that's yeah, it. But and it,
1: S3 is cost nothing. In, uh, yeah. in fact, uh, the, the Angular application of the article used only S3 and CloudFormation doesn't use uh, Lambdas, doesn't use uh, EC2 instances, mm-hmm. and this costs cost literally nothing, I think, yeah. less than dollars per month. is a huge thing about uh, studying uh, AWS billing model, uh, services model, because a lot of people start using AWS, uh, receive mm-hmm. huge bills, uh, and stop mm-hmm. us uh, using AWS because it's expensive. Yeah. If you're thinking about uh, AWS as a replacement of, of your um, on-premise infrastructure, mm-hmm. you will get, you, you will receive only big bills. <laughs> you yeah. will spend a lot of money uh, mm-hmm. and, and AWS uh, make a lot of pro- profit about that in 2020. After this work on Angular as a front-ender, a front-end developer, I switch uh, client and they work as a back-end developer on a Lambda application, mm-hmm. on a, a huge uh, application, all based on AWS. And it was uh, a wonderful experience because mm-hmm. I, I literally use Lambdas that will be built, uh, called and built only on demand. And uh, right. I think. Uh, a really huge application. The cost of the refactoring of that huge application was uh, very low because we moved everything to Lambda function, to AWS function. We got, uh, okay, we got a lot of coupling with AWS services. Uh, I think that kind of project will run forever on AWS. You can move out on AWS, the kind of project, but I think uh, we save a lot of money on AWS bill on uh, on several expenses. Okay, we need to study a lot. The the company that there was uh, consulting for I need to to hire consultant on AWS. And so I worked from them for one year. So they they have that kind of expenses. But I think in the long term it was a good investment for them because now they only pay short. Uh, small bills on aws right
0: uh, so are you ready for core web vitals fortunately raygun can help these modern performance metrics play an important role in determining the health of your website which is why raygun has baked them directly into their real user monitoring tools now you can see your core web vital scores are trending across your entire website in real time and drill into individual pages to focus your efforts on the biggest performance gains Unlike traditional tools, Raygun surfaces real user data, not synthetic, giving you greater insights and control. Filter your score by time frame, browser, device, geolocation, whatever matters to you most. And what makes Raygun truly unique is the level of detail they provides so you can take action. Quickly identify and resolve front-end performance issues with full waterfall breakdowns, user session data, instance-level diagnostics of every page request, and a whole lot more. Visit raygun.com today and take control of your core web vitals. Plans start from as little as $8 per month. That's raygun.com for your free 14-day trial. I, I kind of want to change gears a little bit here and talk about how you actually set up your serverless functions. Okay. I mean, You said you use the serverless framework, which I've used and I really like. Okay. Um, but yeah, when you're putting these services together, I kind of found that serverless provided a good way for me to deploy it, but it kind of left me with a blank slate as far as like what I put into my service. So how do you how do you architect your service, or how do you design your service to be optimal and do what you need it to do?
1: In backend situation or in the Angular application you're, um, you're asking for? On, for the on backend. general. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for your serverless ah. uh, function.
1: Yeah, we 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 put. Uh, a lot of work analysis, uh, working on analysis, um, thinking about business logic and um, is the only big uh, flow, I think, on uh, AWS uh, architecture because your architecture, your serverless architecture is uh, highly coupled with your business logic architecture need to know the business logic so the application i was working uh, kind of a uh, one and a half year ago was uh, based on um, the aws version of graphql appsync okay oh appsync and, uh, yep appsync okay they decided to use graphql so we start from that and um, the core was graphql and appsync then we moved uh, to the second problem was uh, Uh, authentication and we we move to cognito cognito is uh, uh, a really good uh, out-of-the-box service and we start uh, running the application very fast then we got a little bit of problems uh, with cognito and uh, federated login okay linking cognito with uh, uh, Google login, Google out, uh, Facebook out, and something like that uh, was uh, kind of tricky because AWS is a young platform. Some services are quite young, and it was not easy. I think is a is a journey that you discover during. Uh, <laughs> it's it's very yeah. it's very hard to make projections to the end architecture because uh, right. when when we was working on that, we think okay, Cognito. We made some analysis and okay, really fast in half a day, Cognito is up and is working great. Then uh, we, we, when we discovered that federated login uh, kind of tricky, we, we lost a lot of time building up the federating system uh, for login. So it's uh, an investment that the place you are working on must, must do because you are investing in, in your future. If you are building an application that you know that in two years will will be not used anymore or in something that uh, have not strategic value, you can think in traditional uh, architectures. If you are building a project that will be need to last in years, you can thinking in switching in in that new kind of architectures because there is a cost there is a cost um there is a a learning curve there is a a lot of um things that are unpredictable so that's it uh that's i I, that's my thing about uh, the aws and the serverless architecture but is a a wonderful, wonderful journey for a developer to learn uh, that kind of things. Because uh, I was doing kind of the same jobs uh, for 10 years, okay? Again, front frontend. this is it. Uh, you think uh, you know uh, your job, you start learning the AWS serverless, you're discovering a lot of new things, a lot of new ways to do things that you you was thinking uh, that that was standard that was the the regular way to do that and it was a very exciting for me to learn uh, that kind of new things cool
0: another thing i'm wondering about is so you said you deployed this mostly so that you could show your clients what you had worked on yeah they wind up going this way for production because it sounded like some of your other clients might have use this kind of setup for production
1: in this uh, specific case uh, clients uh, don't don't have the technical knowledge uh, to ask uh, for aws lambda right. or something like that i was i was talking to a marketing office okay so the main concerns are about uh, css colors uh, right or or, or logos So it was uh, my call Mm -hmm. to, um, it was a a fast solution. The main architecture was, uh, was studied uh, by my company, but it was um, our analysis. The client don't have the, don't had the technical skills to require that specific architecture in that case. And, and it was a huge, huge thing for me because uh, I could have the, the possibility to To try new things because, uh, okay, they don't ask uh, for a specific architecture. So I I can try new new things. My former boss uh, that uh, I thank him for that uh, put a lot of trust in me and other developer. So he let us uh, to experiment the thing and what it was used. It was huge. We don't have um, client constraint. We don't have. Boss constraint so we have the possibility to learn and new things and uh, it was a very very it, it was a very very good thing because uh, we can learn and we could deliver a good product and a cheap architecture for um, develop uh, purposes so right. my client could see fast uh, faster uh, deployment could uh, I, I can talk about business logic about uh, what the, the, the marketing office work was required requiring me without concern about uh, the architecture, about API gateway, subnets, uh, something like that, uh, that my client was absolutely not able to understand.
0: Right. Makes sense. Did you have some way of testing the serverless functions?
1: Yeah. The backend serverless functions uh, were uh, unit tested. Yeah. The only way I I tried is... Huge work on unit test locally, mm-hmm. then deploy that. Yeah, and uh, you can put the um, the limit on the. There is a way. I know I don't really remember um, now, but there is a way. And sometimes is saved me. Uh, you can put a limit on the as execution time uh, on the right. um, resources that the, the lambda function uh, are uh, using, uh, because uh, if you commit. Uh, a mistake or your function. Uh, the main fear of people uh, working on Lambda function is uh, what will happen if my function with, will become recursive, will call uh, themselves and uh, start executing uh, in uh, a <laughs> uh, managed way. Oh, it, it happened. Right. It, it happened because uh, it could happen. But on uh, your AWS and uh, your serverless YAML, you can uh, put a limit. On the execution stack, so right. it happens. But uh, there are w- ways to protect yourself <laughs> right. from big bills uh, that we talk uh, later.
0: Right, makes sense. Uh,
1: th- the so... other way is uh, write good unit tests. Right, <laughs> and yep. and it works uh, in every <laughs> not only with AWS serverless. You really need to write a good unit tests mm-hmm. ever with all right. kind of architectures. I think.
0: Yeah. I agree. Cool. Was there anything else that people should know about setting up something like this for their Angular apps?
1: Yeah, I think a good place to start is the example provided by the serverless framework. Is That is the place where I started from. My application in my article is a modification, an adaptation of the original a single-page application playbook uh, provided by Serverless Framework. If you wanted to learn Serverless, if you wanted to learn that kind of uh, DevOps, I think a good place is start from that. Mm -hmm. Go to the uh, Serverless Framework page and watch uh, for examples. There is a a good page. I will link you. I think it's linked in my article. Uh, There are a lot of, of examples watch for that there are filters you can uh, search for the best fit for you the best example that uh, kind of fits the work you need uh, to do and uh, start from that start experimenting it's much easier that you think
0: right makes sense very cool well yeah i have a i have a couple of friends that work on the serverless framework so i'll have to let them know that we talked about this but yeah uh, hopefully, this helps people get an idea of what's out there, and you know what can help them get started with some of this stuff. Cause, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's fast. It's simple, yeah, it's wonderful. It, it gives you options.
1: Yeah, it you up give you option and uh, don't think uh, uh, because you are an angular developer you are front-end developer sometimes in a lot of companies front-end developers uh, the GS- the CSS guys that use uh, JavaScript but are that is in some companies uh, front-end developers are are not allowed to play with the, the big guys. Uh, oh, no, you're a front-end developer. <laughs> you don't know nothing about databases or you know nothing about backend or something like that. Okay. You start studying serverless. You, you will discover that uh, it's easier than, than you think. And you will discover that you is <laughs> easy also for, a, for, uh, for a front-end developer that maybe I've never used Java or something like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I guess we didn't really mention it, but yeah, you can write serverless functions in JavaScript and it supports various versions of Node, yeah. which makes it really, really easy for you to yeah, yeah. just take what you already know and, and figure out how to make it work. Yeah.
1: Lambda is a kind I think the best one of the best fit is JavaScript for Lambda Lambda function.
0: Yeah. All right, cool. Hey folks, it's Charles Maxwood, and I just wanted to jump on real quick and let you know that I am putting together a podcasting course. I get asked all the time. I've been coaching people for the last six months. How do you start a podcast? How do you put it together? What do I need in order to get it going? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I've put together the curriculum. And I did it through coaching a whole bunch of people. And now I want to share it with you. You can go check out the course. It's actually going to be a masterclass. It's going to be a four-week masterclass where I actually walk you through the entire process of launching a terrific-sounding podcast and putting together content that people want to listen to. And you can find it at podcastbootcamp.io. Well, the last section of this uh, show is picks. Just shout out about stuff you like, stuff you're interested in, stuff you're working on. I've got a couple of things that I'm going to throw out real quickly. The one that I am going to start with is something that I'm working on, and that is the podcast bootcamp. So if you're Mm -hmm. looking at starting your own podcast, and this is something that I recommend everybody do just for your own career, is just go out there, put out content, help people find you, help people get to know what you're doing. Just to give an example of where this uh, really works out. So the job, things kind of slowed down with the podcast network. They're, they're picking back up now. But when they slowed down, I went in for a job interview. A friend of mine lined it up and he was actually my boss for a while. But when he lined it up, he's like, look, we're friends. We've been friends for like 10 years, so I can't do the interview. So I literally walked in. I didn't have to update my resume or anything when I applied. <laughs> and I walked in, sat down and the people interviewing me both looked at me and said, we love your podcast, and I—I I mean, we just sat there and talked about the podcast for a half hour, and then I got hired. I'm currently kind of in the process of moving on to a different job, and another the same thing happened again. Basically, uh, one of my co-hosts on the on Elixir Mix, he referred me to the company he's working at, and it's funny because I don't have a ton of Elixir experience, but I'm very interested in learning it, and I've I've had a ton of experience podcasting about it, talking about it, and I've played with it some so this week i'm just buckling down and learning the ins and outs right but what was interesting was he basically told me i don't think it'll be a problem for you to get this job even though i'm not an expert so to speak in elixir right because i've proven enough proficiency through the podcast and through my work over the last 15 years doing ruby on rails that it shouldn't be hard so all that said you talked about writing these articles for your blog and All around, I think it's a positive thing for people because then what you can do is you have something to point people to. And it's not just, hey, I showed up and I answered all your questions right, so give me the job. It's, hey, I've got all this other supporting stuff. And so the podcast boot camp is effectively for that, right? And I've I've kind of got a slightly different framework that I'm also going to put in there for freelancers or for SaaS companies or stuff like that. But we're going to walk you through what your first handful of episodes should look like how you figure out who you're trying to reach, how you get make sure you get in front of them, the tricks for growing your show and making sure that the people who you're targeting are able to find it. And we'll walk you through all the technical setup too, right? Website and social media and equipment and all that stuff. So if you're interested, go to uh, podcastbootcamp.io. It'll be a four-week course and you'll get access to me. Through Discord, through weekly Q and A calls, and all that stuff too. So it'll be it'll be great. I'm 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 really excited. I've already got some folks signed up, and so yeah, I'm ready to rock this thing. It starts on October fifth, I think is what the date is. So I uh, got to pull the trigger on that pretty soon.
1: I think it's one of the best things you can do for your career: writing articles, uh, starting a podcast, uh, because you when you are writing for something, when you're writing or talking about something you really need to study well that thing mm-hmm. and the uh, people that consume the thing you you will produce a podcast article or something like that or open source libraries open source libraries um, start right. writing open source libraries i i maintain an angular open source library for google tag manager it is a a small library to integrate Google Tag Manager on an Angular project. I'm actually not working on Angular project for two years. I'm working in view, but uh, my, my actual boss really appreciated that because when you produce something that people consume, which is a library, an article or a podcast, you're explaining to people how you, how you solve problem and Um, when I interviewing some in my old job, I was doing interviews for new people. When I interview someone, I want, I really want to know not how much uh, things he knows about uh, Angular, about Node or about the language will be, we will use. I really want to know, is that guy, is it the guy I want to see before me when we need to solve problems? Because our final job is to solve problems, not to know everything about a language.
0: Yep, yep, absolutely. So that's the big pick for me as far as uh, the stuff I'm working on. And then I've been reading some books, so I'm going to throw out picks for those real quick. One of them is called How to Get Shit Done by Sean Whalen. I usually don't curse on the show, but it's the name of the book. so. And it was really good. It kind of talks through the four areas of life that he focuses on and how he does it really, really good. And then the other pick that I have as far as books go, is a book called Tribe of Millionaires, and it talks about different ways that the groups of people that you associate with affect your trajectory in life. And <laughs> it kind of lends toward points toward mastermind groups, but it, it was really, really good and it really illustrated well the power of those kinds of groups. So, anyway, those are my picks. What What are your picks?
1: Okay, my pick is uh, the the open source project that I'm working that I mentioned. Uh, earlier is uh, Angular Google Tag Manager is a small library that I made for Angular is my, <laughs> the only thing, the only contact that I now with Angular community, because I'm not professionally working on Angular uh, right now, but uh, it's a small project that uh, I, need my, I need contributors and maintainers. So if uh, someone want, want to join the, com- the Angular community, the open source community, it's a small library, it's easy. Feel free to contribute to that. Angular Google Tag Manager. Search for that. NPM, uh, G- GitHub, uh, or my profile.
0: Awesome. Very cool. If people want to connect with you personally or on GitHub, Twitter, or something like that, LinkedIn, yeah. where, where do they find you?
1: They find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, search for Marco Zucaroli. My name is pretty unique name, so you can, it's easy to find me. I'm the main maintainer of uh, Angular Google Tag Manager, so you 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 search for that. It's easy to find me. Awesome. All
0: right, well, we're going to okay. go ahead and wrap up here. Thanks for coming, okay. Marco.
1: Okay, thank you for hosting me. For All right, me.
0: well, folks, until next time, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.